Hey everybody, and welcome back to Popcorn Prattle. I am one of your hosts, Mr. Marcus Sally, executive producer of Shenanigans Incorporated, and one of the co-creators of Popcorn Prattle. If this is your first time listening to us, welcome! We have been on a bit of a hiatus, we've had birthdays, we've had Comic-Cons, we're getting ready for anniversaries, but guys, guess what? We have so much to talk about tonight. We are just a humble podcast that enjoys talking about movies, not in a pretentious way, but as if you just got done seeing a really good movie, and now you want to talk about it with your best good buddies. Of course, as always, I'm joined by my best good buddies, so let me introduce you to them. First up, you know him, you love him. It's the man, the myth, it's the legend, it's Mr. Stephen Bailey. Stephen, say hi to the folks at home. Hello. And of course, you know her, you love her, she's the ever so lovely, the ever so talented. Hey y'all, it's Miss Lindley Key. Lindley, say hi to the folks at home. Hi folks at home. I missed you guys. Missed you too. Happy belated birthday. Thank you. Thank you. It was very fun. But we're both we're both October babies. Oh my gosh, are we really? Yeah. Wait, when is your birthday? Mine, mine's on the twenty first. Oh, Same day as Carrie Fisher. Boom. Oh, hashtag a star for Carrie. Or did she Aww. get a star? Or is it still fighting to get her a star? She is a star. I mean, she's all. She was always a star. <laughs> always a star. Uh, Stephen, what are you? Uh, you got an anniversary coming up? I sure do. I didn't know you guys. I I, I don't know why I didn't know that because I was your best man. But I didn't know you yeah. guys were married <laughs> in October. <laughs> yeah, yeah. On the uh, I guess it's going to be Tuesday. <laughs> Wow. Please don't let Anna hear, I guess it's going to be Tuesday. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. She has trouble remembering it, too. Oh, well, okay, then. <laughs> do y'all have plans? We do. We are going to, uh, we're trying to invest in adopting, um, sorry, we're trying to adopt the practice of just investing in experiences oh. rather than things. Yeah. So uh, we're going to go uh, pry up to the mountains and see the nice fall colors because guess what it finally feels like fall here in north carolina same here same here so nice my mom and i we went to the mountains uh into wine country um and i have to tell you i have to tell you guys a story so we almost died what what yeah so we went to um we were on we were on the mountain right Mm-hmm. And well, sorry, we were going to a winery, and it was called Stone Mountain. And shout out to Stone Mountain Winery because it's a great, it's a great winery. It's in the, it's in the Monticello Wine Trail in Virginia. It's great. But when Are we, we getting promoted, yeah. Well, hopefully they'll be able to send me some free wine. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh! So we we no go sponsor. Darn. We go to we go we are on the road, and the the you know the actual road becomes kind of like a crappy road and then it becomes like rocks and then it becomes dirt and i felt like we were in like jurassic world um like we're in the car and like charlotte my new car she's like bouncing up and down there's like wild turkey that just like pop out of the bushes and stuff (laughs) and so we're going up we we, i'm like my mom's like is that it right there and we see this house and i said no that's someone's house the gps is like five minutes away so we go around this corner and it felt like a roller coaster we're going up 
And oh, and I'm just like, all I kept thinking was like, oh my gosh, I'm so glad that we have a new car because um, I I'm like Cherry would not have made it. Um, my original, my first car, she would not have made it up that mountain. <laughs> and my mom was like, I just hope we don't meet anybody on the road because there's only room big enough for for Charlotte. And this huge truck is coming down the mountaintop. <laughs> and they look at no. they look at us and we're looking at them and it's an older couple and they just they had just come around the bend and they were like, wait right there, we'll go back. So they go back and I'm like, all right, great, like this is wonderful. And as I come around the bend, I look to my left and there's just a sheer drop. Like there's no hill, it's just voom. It's just a oh. drop. Yep. <laughs> so so we get so we're so we're going up the mountain. We're going around the corner, right? And the the old people, they have backed up into a ditch. And now three tires are up in the air. Like they were oh in God. the ditch. Oh my gosh. And my mom's like, oh my God. And I slam on the brakes and we look at this car and it like kind of like, you know, like just gravity just like brings it back down and then they get out of the ditch. And my mom's like, what do we do? And I said, I don't know. You're an adult. Figure it out. And I'm like, wait a minute. I'm 31. I'm an adult as well. And so, so I have to, so I tell them like, hey, get out, tell them what to do. And I say, you guide me and I will, I'll, I'll go, I'll zip right past them. So she gets out. She helps them get as close to the ditch without getting in the ditch as possible. And then she's like, go. She's like, take it slow. And I go slow. And I feel the slightest of dips. (laughs) And my mom's like, punch it. And so I punch it. And I go, (laughs) I go right over this pothole that had like sunk so deep. That now it was a part of the sheer drop off. So that's what she was worried about. She was like, if he takes too much time on this pothole, he's that car is going down with him in it. So we get oh. all the way up to this winery and it's a beautiful sight. It's beautiful. It's gorgeous. And the wine, because I said, I told him, I'm like, all this for a glass of wine. This better be some damn good wine. That's. Was it? Uh, we left with three bottles, <laughs> but I. But when we got up there, I told her I said because you know because you know when you go to wineries when you do wine tastings if you find a good one you want to stay and you want to have a glass. We did not stay for a glass. I said, "Uh, no, we're getting a tasting, and then we're gonna take our bottles of wine. And if we want to drink it later, we can drink it later. We gotta go." <laughs> So if you're going up to the mountains and you're going to be in the Charlottesville area, Stephen, that's a lovely place for you and Anna. Um, <laughs> just be careful about of the sheer drop off. That's terrifying. You get used to them after a while. Uh, you, Stephen, is you're because you're in a mountainous area, or or rather, Anna's from a mountainous area. Yeah, and to tell you the truth, I, you know, have always been kind of nervous about mountain roads. Mm -hmm. And then we went out west, where we're going up uh, to Mesa Verde, where it's like 9,000 foot sheer drop-offs. And then uh, Mount St. Helens, the road's there, it's like several thousand feet drop-offs. And it's just like, they make the blue, they make the Appalachian Mountains look like little kitty hills. (laughs) Just, just, Just little, like play things you can go sing you know uh the sound of music on yeah <laughs> and so it's like... also also did you hear what steven just said listeners it's 
Appalachian. Everybody up here in the north says Appalachian, and it drives me insane. That's how we learn it. That's how we learn it. That's how I learned it. Well, that's wrong. You're wrong. <laughs> I'm wrong? You're wrong. They're wrong. Well. Everyone's wrong. Well, you know. The whole system is wrong. <laughs> no truth handle you. <laughs> I don't know what I'm saying. I'm tired. It's not. Friday. It's not even night, guys. It I, is I know. Four when, o'clock in the afternoon <laughs> that we're recording this with no alcohol. This is where we're starting. <laughs> well, of course. If this is where we're starting. Oh, it's going to be a fun show. It is going to be a fun show. We got a lot going on. We got a New York Comic Con review. We are yeah. talking about the Jungle Cruise trailer, aka the Mummy Part Four. Don't get me started. <laughs> Um, we're going to talk some Raising Dion, which if you haven't checked it out yet, I'm going to give you a spoiler-free review. And of course, you know we got to talk about the Joker movie because it's a hot-button topic right now in the internet, in the movie world. And I know you're probably like, oh, another one? Well, yeah, because that's probably why you clicked on the podcast. Um, <laughs> if you enjoy the podcast audience, before we get into the nittiest of gritties, um, be sure to like, subscribe, share, leave us a review on iTunes because all of that helps us out and it just brings us up high on the leaderboard so that more people know that Popcorn Prattle is indeed the Film Talk podcast to listen to. <sighs> End of disclaimer. Let's talk movies. Steven, Lindley, are you ready? Ready. Ready. All right, let's prattle. So the first thing we're going to talk about, guys, is we got to talk about Martin Scorsese. Okay, Uh, he has some very interesting words about Marvel movies. Um, And you you know how the mixed grab bag of feelings we have about Marvel movies on this show. Um, You know, that's it's kind of why this show was started in the first place was talk Marvel movies. Um, And then it has evolved over time. Um, But Martin Scorsese has actually come out and has said um and I'm trying I tried to find the exact quote but essentially like they're not it's they're not real movies they're theme parks. He said they're yeah they're not cinema. Right. Um which I mean hey Scorsese great director. Wonderful director. I love a lot of his movies. I love how he tells stories. Um but I have to say I I wholeheartedly disagreed with this statement. Um mm-hmm. you know just just because it's, it's Marvel movies have created a different form of storytelling. Love it or hate it, it has created a different form of storytelling. This idea that you can get an audience to see you know 10 years worth of movies and have a big payoff. Like you you can have these interconnected stories. Now, the I think the negative side is that now everybody wants to do that, right? But I mean, at the bot at the end of the day, if it was just Marvel, would it be such a big deal? If it was just the Marvel movies that were doing that, um, what did you guys think of the the statements? I thought it was petty. Really, I I really did. I didn't. I mean, he's entitled to his own opinion. Sure. He really is. And, you know, the kind of movies he makes are not, you know, they're very different from the Marvel Universe. But, like, they are cinema. They're 
just the amount of emotional response that these movies that these movies elicit it's phenomenal mm-hmm. and the amount of effort that goes into it from the cast from the crew from the, their directors from their writers it takes more than just oh here's a guy in a cape let's go pew, pew, pew. let's do some fun stuff over here mm-hmm. no it takes a lot more to put those movies together than what people give it credit for. Absolutely. And again, he can have his opinion. It's like Samuel Jackson said, not all people like his movies. His movies are very niche. They are. And so are Marvel movies. Yeah. Yeah. They're not for everybody. It's just, it's just one niche, you know, putting down another. Mm-hmm. Just because they're not alike doesn't mean they both don't have their good qualities. And it's and you know we're we're gonna talk later about the Joker movie. Um, that the one thing that I I want to point out about that movie is that it doesn't feel like a comic book movie. Um, not even to the Dark Knight standards, and that and that might just be me, but it's like you. I feel like you can only get that you can get that from any sort of of type of movie, but the fact that you can get that from a comic book movie just shows like how versatile the that genre can be um Stephen, what what did you what did you think of scorsese's um or scorsese's uh comments so um on one hand i kind of agree that uh really not just marvel movies but just superhero films in general Mm -hmm. because they've dominated for so long it really does kind of drown out a lot of the other voices and the other types of films Mm mm-hmm but I agree with you, Lindley, that it really does feel petty. It almost kind of smacks of um, like a like a, a someone from an older generation whining about cell phones. Really, <laughs> yeah. it's like you know what? Just because you don't like something, and you know, y'all know me. I'm not. I don't hate the Marvel movies, but I'm not like all into them or anything. Right. Just because someone else likes it or millions of people like it doesn't mean you gotta. You know, fault them for that. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, you can have a difference of opinion, um, and I, I just, and I've heard you know similar sentiments about that. But I think they're forgetting something. And this was in an article I read. Like, God, it must have been like the early two thousands when I read this article. I can't even remember who wrote it, mm-hmm. but it basically said movies are typically made uh, for the teenage demographic. Because they're the ones with the most money. Um, They're the ones who are going to go see movies. Mm -hmm. And so it really does kind of smack of like, there's too many movies, not for anyone my age. And it's like, well, yeah. Mm -hmm. That's because teenagers are usually the one demographic constantly seeing movies. Right. Not to say that older ones don't, but um, I bring that up just to point out that it really does feel like, you know... uh, like you said, Lindley, one niche um, uh, picking on another just because it's not theirs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's like, you know, if people like something different, that's fine. You know? It's true. I don't, I don't, I, I don't really. So it's like, it's kind of like a really, who cares what you have to say on this topic? <laughs> well, and I mean, isn't that the beauty of, you know, just that we do have so many different types of movies? Like, it's not just Marvel movies. You know what I mean? Like I don't see, and the thing is, I don't, I don't ever hear Scorsese talking about other 
great films that have come out that have not been Marvel movies. I hear him, you know, beating down the door about his own movies. But I'm like, what about these other movies that are really, really good that are not getting a lot of attention instead of trying to tear down a franchise, quite a large franchise at this point? Mm-hmm. Why are you not trying to build up use use your use your platform to promote other films? You know what I mean. Um, I feel like that is the least you can do if you if you are in a position um, like Scorsese is, uh, like so many different artists are, um, directors and screenwriters and all that. Rather than tear down Marvel movies. Try to help promote other films, <laughs> you know, like yeah. like that, like, you know, we talk about the, you know, the, the dying, uh, the death of originality within Hollywood. Um, but you I, 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 I kind of have to think about this um, when I think about Scorsese film, you know, when you're watching one of his films. Yeah. You yeah. it 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 just it smacks of it, and and you have to wonder too. And you kind of have to beg the question: Is are you being original at this point? Are you doing anything new, really? Or are you falling back on the same tropes that have worked well with other movies, and now you're just you're just cranking them out? Right. You know, I mean, don't get me wrong, Quentin Tarantino. I love him, but listen, like when I saw Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I was like, oh, this is definitely a Tarantino movie. It's the same tropes. It's what I expect from him. I love it. And you know, something else too, Hmm. um, I feel like we get this a lot with comedians. uh, And I kind of feel like Jerry Seinfeld is one of the biggest offenders of this. Mm -hmm. But he's always complaining about like political correctness and how it like kills comedy. Yeah. And to some extent, you know, it's that's debatable, but... Then, you know, you sit back and you watch, you know, Seinfeld, not the show itself, but, you know, like the segments where he's telling jokes mm-hmm. uh, to like a re- an actual audience. Sure. They're not that funny. They're just not funny. It's like the punchline is women be shopping. And it's like, is that supposed yeah. to be a funny? Right. <laughs> it's so dated. Mm-hmm. And so it's sort of like, you know, you can criticize newer ideas and innovations all you want. But unless you as an artist are willing to grow and change with the times, I'm sorry. That's no one's fault but you. Right. <laughs> and, I, and I'm not I'm not trying to knock Martin Scorsese for that. Um, I'm just it, it's like you said, you know, are you putting your energy in the best possible place mm-hmm. by, you know, condemning something instead of being, you know, more proactive and trying to promote uh, these smaller films? Right. That get dwarfed by the tentpole films, I would call them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Even his films. I mean, score, yeah. I mean, at this point, he can put out a movie and people will see it just because he did it. Because isn't he doing? He's doing The Irishman, isn't he? Yeah. Is he? I think so. Yeah, on Netflix. Yeah, that's him. And I, okay. I didn't need to know anything about that movie. I want to see it because he directed it. So. Mm-hmm. What's up, Martin? <laughs> what's, what's good, son? Because he is totally listening right now. It's him and Jeff Goldblum. They're all, they're all listening. <laughs> <laughs> well, Lindley. Uh, yes? 
on much much lighter news uh how was new york comic-con tell us about that it was so so much fun uh for you, you know those of you who didn't know i went to new york comic-con this past week and full cosplay i went thursday friday saturday because i refused to go to another sunday at new york comic-con because it's the saturday crowd plus kids get in free so you're just not walking anywhere oh. without bumping into someone Mm-hmm. It's not a fun time, and it was it was a lot of fun. Thursday, I got to kind of walk around the show floor, get a sight of all the activations going on. About you know, got my shopping done, mm-hmm. and then Friday and Saturday, got to walk around, focus on cosplay, go to some panels, and it was a lot of fun. It was so much fun, and there were some good activations this year. Um, if you don't know what an activation yeah. is, it's basically you know. When a, a a show or a movie or a company has a booth that has like a fun activity okay. to do uh, to promote whatever they're promoting inside, my favorite one that they saw that I saw, I didn't do it, and I'll I'll, I'll let you know why I didn't do it. Okay, but you know the movie Snowpiercer, right? Yes, yes, with the new TV so, show coming out. Yes, so Snowpiercer, for the show, had an activation at New York Comic Con. Cool. And if you've seen the movie, and I'm sure based on this, they're going to bring it up in the show too. Uh, if you don't know the story of Snowpiercer, it is about the last of society is on a train. The rich are up front having a grand old time. The poor are in the back working. Metaphors. And what the poor eat is basically... Crickets and bugs and gross things that get put into a bar for protein. Their activation was you could go to this cool, fancy vending machine and get a cricket bar. Nice. I didn't because it didn't. It did have nuts in it. Okay. And me and nuts don't get along. Got you. So (laughs) it was it was just really clever. Yeah. Just the way that they did that, I really that was my favorite I've, like, you know, fun promo activation. And also Harry Potter and the Cursed Child, which is the continuation of the Harry Potter story on stage. They had something where you could take a picture with your banner. Oh, cool. It had to represent Ravenclaw. It was a good old time. I, You know what I thought you were going to say for the Snowpiercer activation? What? I thought you were gonna say like they had like a hole in the wall and you could put and your you hand put your in arm it. Out, yeah, and, and like, then your arm freezes off, and then you just walk around with a the rest stump. of the con with only one arm. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. That's what, that. That I feel that'll get you some buzz <laughs> online. Okay. They they may you know get in trouble for that. Nah, I don't think so. You never know. Uh, you know what I you know what I have to know about because I know what? they were there. Come on, give it to me. I know what you're asking for, but I actually want to bring up something else before this. Because I'm a teats. What Marcus... (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man, I can't wait to edit that. With content! I can't wait to edit that. (laughs) I hate you so much. You set yourself up for this, Key. No, I didn't. (laughs) I'm a very sexy baby. I can't help it if men are attracted to me. Anyways, what Marcus is referring to is 
Outlander was there at New York Comic Con, and you know I was there in full season two La Dame Blanche cosplay. Ooh. It was so much fun. At the con, though, it oof, I have to I have to rag on New York Comic Con a little bit though. So I won a pre-show lottery for Outlander, which you know was supposed to mean that you get a guaranteed seat at the panel, uh, but. When you got to the Hulu Theater, the Hulu Theater is at Madison Square Garden, which is a bit of a hike away from the Javits Center. And it was my first time doing that. Wasn't that fun. Uh, but it was still it, not fun getting there, but I still did it. Pushed through. Uh, when I got there, the doors to the theater were already open and anyone could just walk inside. So they really have no... They really have no way of being like, oh, you won the lottery? Here's where you sit. Mm -hmm. Here, Let's scan this thing. So that was dumb. Mm. But because I got there so early trying to get a good seat, I actually got to see the first episode of this season of Castle Rock. Ooh. Which I hear nice. that's going to, it's going to focus on the uh, the woman Annie from Misery. Wilkes. Yes. Yes. I, did, I have not seen Castle Rock. Mm-hmm. I haven't watched the first season, but after seeing this episode, oh my gosh. Really? It's intense and really well shot and just it Lizzie Kaplan as Annie Wilkes. Yeah. She's not she's not doing it to mimic the movie. She's doing it her own way and bringing her own character to it. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure if this is supposed to be a sequel or a prequel or like a it seems, something in between. It seems to be in its own kind of universe. That's okay. what the season one ca like came across as. Yeah. Uh, but I will say, I won't spoil anything, okay. but it did look good. And I'm definitely going to have to check out the rest of the series. But I cannot look at ice cream scoops the same way. Again. Oh, oh, geez. Okay. And if you watch the first episode, you will know exactly what i mean when does it come out uh it should be coming out soon okay uh I'll, I'll need to get those dates for you but if definitely check it out if you haven't already i'm definitely going to go back and watch the first series mm -hmm. uh looks like castle rock is coming back october 23rd on hulu okay. check it out yeah but back to what Marcus wants to know. Yes. So Saturday was all about Outlander. I have to give a shout out to my friends over at Outlander Cast. They had a, a clan gathering after all of the festivities. And it was so nice meeting everyone. It was so nice to hang out with you. You know, just talk about the show and the characters that we love. So hello to everyone in the clan. Wait, so wait, I, hold on. Maybe we should clarify what we're talking about. <laughs> A Scottish clan, Stephen. Scottish clan. Okay, Don't. okay. For all us non-Outlander uh, people, I think we might need that clarification. All right, then. <laughs> Scottish clan. I understood what you were saying, Lindley. Thank you, because two of us have watched Outlander. Mm. Sorry, I, I live in... Um, I live in North Carolina, where it's on clan Netflix. can have... Uh, and they're in North Carolina. Yeah, yeah, the fourth season, they're in North Carolina. Oh, well, that's cool. You're just losing this battle. 
Anyways, <laughs> Lindley. <laughs> so they're at New York Comic Con for money because season five is coming out in February. And I think they are, according to their tweets and their Instagrams, they are almost done with production. Awesome. Which ugh, I'm so excited about. So they were there repping season five. The first thing we did on Saturday was we got front row seats to the Sci-Fi Wire stage, which Sci-Fi Wire, they were doing live streams with interviews of a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And so, and people could sit in and watch. So we got front row for that. I was breathing the same air, Sam Hewen. I was fine. I was fine. Everything was fine. And then Katrina, she saw my costume and smiled. So that was great. They talked about season five and what it's going to mean. Who's going to be back? Uh, they, you, you've seen, have you seen season four, Marcus? I'm all caught up. Okay, great. So they're not. It's not a spoiler, but they they've announced that you know John Gray is going to be back for this season. Yes. Aunt Costa, Myrta, the the whole Myrta! gang. Myrta! My man, he he was there. I'm actually on his Instagram. He took a video uh-huh. of the crowd at the Sci-Fi Wire. Yeah. At the Sci-Fi Wire booth, and yeah, I'm in that video. If you see a girl in a big green dress, that's me. He he just seems like the best person in the world. He's he was he was so much fun. Yeah, yeah. And I I highly recommend going to watch the Sci-Fi Wire interview because they do have a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. With it. And then after that, uh, they had a panel at the Hulu Theater. It was like the big thing. Uh, they had, it was Sam, Katrina, uh, Duncan, who plays Marta, uh, the actress who plays Andrew Casta, the actor that plays John Gray, David Barry, and also showrunner Ronald Moore. Um, oh, shoot, one of the other showrunners. I cannot believe I'm forgetting her name. But also Diana Gabaldon. Really? Was there. She was there. Uh, because she, they announced that she is writing episode 11, the penultimate episode of season five. Oh, okay. So she's going to have a, uh, Diana Gabaldon, she is the person who wrote the books, Outlander. Mm-hmm. So it's great that she's still very involved with the show. Yeah. But one thing that she did say, someone asked, the, ugh, the Q&A was a bit, mm. Because you, it's always... Was it very thirsty? No. It was, surprisingly, no. (laughs) Most (laughs) of the questions and the the fan questions, Uh when they ask for people to get up and ask, you know, ask whatever they want to ask, which always goes well or not well, Mm -hmm. they were mostly directed to Katrina, which I think is... Well, well deserved. Yeah, she. Um, I I wasn't the biggest fan of her character early on, but once the character, I feel like once she got into the groove, or like once they got into the groove of like how to write her, um, I thought that she was a, a an incredible uh, character and actually made me cry a couple of times. She's great, and I'm very excited to see where she goes. She's actually going to be in. Uh, Ford versus Ferrari, which has Matt Damon and Christian Bale. Well, what do you know? So that's going to be great. Yeah. I totally forgot what I was going to say. Oh, they were talking. Someone asked Diana what is something that she would have wanted the show to stick with. Mm-hmm. 
rather than change for the show. Mm -hmm. And in the books, Murtaugh is not around Hmm. after Voyager, which is season three. Okay. When when he goes off, when he and uh, Jamie are arrested for being a part of the Jacobite Rebellion, mm-hmm. he he dies. I Murta thought I read dead. that. Murta is dead in the books. But because the writers and everyone just loved Duncan so much, mm-hmm. they brought Murta back. And so they said, and she said, you know, when... You know, when I write a character and the character dies, you know, they, they should have stayed dead. Right. And he got, and she says, no offense to Duncan, but you should have stayed dead. <laughs> because his whole character and everything that happens to him from season four on mm-hmm. is show only. So that's a, okay, so that's all original. Yes. Wow. Um. Also at the panel, one of my favorite moment was... The, the person running the panel asked the the cast to read their lines in a New York accent. Mm-hmm. Katrina was the only one who could do it well. Because she had lived <laughs> in New York for a long time. Yeah, yeah. Everyone else was hilarious. The clip, the they put the panel on YouTube, so I definitely recommend going to watch it. Mm-hmm. They also... Because Sophie Skelton and Richard Rankin, who play Roger and Brie, mm-hmm. were not present, they gave like a they gave us a cute little video of them doing a Q and A, which is different from the one they posted online. So we got to see an exclusive Q and A, and we got to see the teaser for season five. Nice. So we've got a little bit of a trailer roundup, and I think we have some more trailers to talk about coming up soon. So I'll let this kick it off. Yeah, uh, we've got. A teaser for season five. It's not long and it doesn't show a lot, but it kind of gives a feel of what season five is going to be about. Mm-hmm. So the Frasers, they're they're establishing themselves in North Carolina mm-hmm. during the begin. Like it's about to be the Revolutionary War. Yes. The last thing we saw of season four was Jamie being called upon by the governor to help squash a resistance Mm -hmm. that is being led by his godfather Murta. Which him having lived through being a Jacobite himself and knowing who is leading the rebellion, it's 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 gonna be a lot of drama. And we're also going to see some drama being with Roger and Bree and deciding if they should stay in this time or if they should go. I I really like the sorry for cutting you off. No, go ahead. I'm sorry. I really like the the storytelling that they've been doing with this. Everything that they do never feels like we ran out of ideas, so now let's try this. It's yeah. like, okay, Jamie was a part of the Jacobite Rebellion and he's told very early on, you will lose. You will probably die. Yep. Because of this. Um, and so now for him to be, to, you know, be engaged in the American Revolution, and now it's a matter of, like, Jamie, you might be on the wrong side of history again. Again, yeah. You know, but what, what do you do when you know who the, you know who the winner is? You know where, which side to side with, but it's mm-hmm. like, 
he but it's it's almost like jamie is to this point where he's like i'm so tired of fighting yeah you know what i mean it's not like his his character has matured so much so nicely over the course of the series really has Mm -hmm. and sometimes not for the better no like his whole you know what happened with him and roger well was not smart agree to disagree (laughs) hey look roger should have said who he was that's all i'm saying <laughs> he didn't. Jamie didn't give him time. It was just like, "Hey, can you t- show me to?" And then he got. I was like, "I was like, hey out. man, hey man, you do what you gotta do, son. You do what you gotta do, you gangster." <laughs> I don't Jamie know why. Fraser. I don't know why I'm talking gangster. like that. <laughs> like I'm not talking about a period drama. <laughs> 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 it's like, Marius, you're talking about a period drama, not Law and Order. <laughs> dun, dun. Dun, 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 dun. Yeah, you're right. They came They came to North Carolina for peace. Yes. And now they're going to... There's another war coming. Yeah. And Claire's, you know, she's doing her nurse thing, but also very concerned mm-hmm. with her daughter. Be like, you don't have to go through this. Yeah. Claire. Claire's kind of stuck. She can she can go through the stones, but Jamie can't. But she doesn't, and I don't. And I don't. Think she, she doesn't wants, want to go. Yeah, back. she'd much rather be like, "I've lost you once." Yeah, I'm not doing it again. And I and it makes me like, no, oh my god, she didn't lose him once. She's lost him a few times. Well, yeah, she's there, lost him a few times. Went through the stones. There was that whole like twenty year time difference, and then they kept turning up on different beaches in season three. <laughs> <laughs> that was kind of that was kind of ridiculous. <laughs> no, but I mean, like she, when she went, she went, when she went to the through the stones and ended up back with Roger. That was her being like to me. That was her being like, okay, I'm, I'm gonna let Jamie go. Mm-hmm. And when she has that beautiful, that beautiful moment with Roger, no, with Brienne, with Brianna, and tells her like. You know, it wasn't it wasn't about sex. It was a matter of like I loved him. I did not love your father anymore. Yeah. I was just like, that's I'm like, girl, get your man. <laughs> I was like, Why are you? was like, you need to go. Why are you still here talking to this little girl? She don't understand. <laughs> Unlock your inner gangster girl. Okay. <laughs> go through them stones. I feel like uh what's uh 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 what's her name from Orange the New Black. Oh, shoot. Crazy Eyes. Crazy Eyes. <laughs> yeah. And <laughs> also, also crazy ex-girlfriend of Rebecca's friend at one point. It's like, oh, sometimes I wish I could just touch a stone wall and go back to 1800 Scotland to be with my other husband, the Scottish warrior, and you don't watch Outlander, do you? What? Like, none of this makes sense to you. <laughs> I've been missing out on so many Outlander references. <laughs> it's so good. I'll have to send. I'll have to find it and send. Please it to do. You. <laughs> yeah, but it, it's got it. Got us excited. The Droughtlander is almost over. And that tease was. That's what it's called. I believe it. I love it. That's what it's called. The Droughtlander. I'm so glad I'm in this little group now. I am too. I'm so. <laughs> we have to get you into the Outlander cast clan. Ooh. I'm, I'll, I'll, I'll send you. I'll do a Murta. I'll do a Murta cosplay. Please, please do. Please 
please do. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but I we have to switch gears a little bit though, because we got we got to talk about this one trailer. Uh, so the Jungle Cruise just dropped. Holy shnikes! So when Lindley posted in the group chat, she said. Uh, that this is basically the mummy. It's Disney blatantly ripping off the mummy. No, when you said that, here's here was my here's my thinking. I said Lindley loves the mummy, <laughs> so she's clearly just projecting. It can't be that bad. Then the trailer started, and I saw the scene with the with the ladder, and I said, "Well, that's." That must be what she's talking about. That's the only reference I will see nope. to the mummy. And it was beat for beat the mummy just with the rock and Emily Blunt Emily instead Blunt. of Brendan Fraser and Rachel Weiss. Yes. It's the same characters. It's the same plot. The only difference is it now has a shiny new Disney coating. <laughs> <laughs> it's the mummy! <laughs> Every time you do that, Stephen, it freaks me out. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> but you know what? Halloween's so boo haunted house. True. True. It's not the Halloween episode just yet, but it's a coming. It's a coming. I, I just don't understand, like, why they couldn't have. Why they couldn't have just. Just not made this movie. Who was asking for this to be made? Because to be honest, I finally watched um, uh, uh, what's it called? Um, the other Jungle movie with The Rock, Jumanji. Jumanji. Jumanji's just, great. Yeah, I just I finally watched it. I was like, oh, this is actually really good. So he already has a Jungle movie. So why did he need Jungle Cruise as well? When we know Rock's track record when it comes to Disney. We know his track record. Why would he do this to himself? <laughs> Unless this is like his in to get into the Marvel movies. Maybe. Like, Disney's like, we'll let you do a Marvel movie, but. Then what was Eddie Murphy's excuse with the Haunted Mansion? They probably wanted him to be Black Panther before he went crazy. <laughs> okay, that's what I'm thinking. You're probably like, you could be T'Chaka. He's like, hey, man, I ain't going to be T'Chaka, man. Okay, I'll be T'Challa, okay? He does the laugh that Eddie Murphy does. We'll call it forever. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> oh, well, this, this took an interesting turn. <laughs> so, so sorry. Um, but, yeah, I just... Um, I, don't, I don't know what to say about this movie <laughs> other than you were absolutely right. 100%. Yeah. Because it, it, you see it clearly. You see there's the the, the spunky, intelligent British lady mm-hmm. who has an incident with a ladder. Mm-hmm. You have the con man, muscle man, mm-hmm. who knows about the lore but is only there to make a buck. Yep. You have a brother of the spunky, intelligent British lady who had an incident with a ladder. Who will probably be very need- greedy exactly and then you there's mention of a curse 
of something coming to life that shouldn't come to life. There's an ancient MacGuffin. There's a map. It's the mummy. It is. It is legitimately the mummy. (laughs) There's even a whole scene with like, oh, can you swim? I can swim. I can't swim. It's the mummy. I... I can't wait. And you know, you know they're going to uh, update the Jungle Cruise ride at Disney because of this. Don't. Yeah, they're going to update it. Don't. It's They did the it Jungle to Cruise. Pirates of the Caribbean. I don't want an animatronic rock. That's exactly, like, that's exactly what's going to happen. Who is waiting for us at the backside of water. <laughs> I am happy they threw that in. Because he's going to be like, welcome Jungle to the Cruise. Jungle Cruise. And he's going to do that eyebrow thing. Oh, and then the boat's going to explode. <laughs> and then Vin Diesel's going to come up and he's like, it's about family. <laughs> and, some, and some underpaid cast member is going to make a quip while they like clean up the ashes. <laughs> and then Idris Elbow come out and say, I'm Black Superman. And it's going to be the best part of the, of the whole ride. <laughs> Yes. I uh, can't wait for the Jungle Cruise ride, too. <laughs> <laughs> electric boogaloo. Electric boogaloo. <laughs> Speaking of electric, though, can we talk about, we, we, we kind of missed it when it first came out, but, and I don't know how we forgot about this trailer, because we did talk about it amongst ourselves, the Birds of Prey and the Fantabulous Emancipation of One Harley Quinn. Yes. Stupidest extra part of a title that I've ever heard of in my life. Uh, I like it. I'm all for it. I I have some words. I just don't understand. It's kind of like it's kind of like Joker at this point. I'm 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 so tired of Harley Quinn being like like the star of the DC universe all the time. Like it's like she's, she's not She's a great character when done right. I, look, don't get me wrong. I love I love what Margot Robbie has done with the character. I love the I love the character in the animated series. I even I even like the comic. I even like the character in the new Fifty Two Suicide Squad. Even though I know Dave would make fun of me about it. Hey, Dave. Yeah, I'm making fun of you for that. Whatever. Okay, but why does Harley need to be in a Birds of Prey movie? She does. She wasn't even a part of the Birds of Prey. Technically, she was a she Gotham. She was in Gotham City. I know Siren. she's a Gotham City Siren, but she was in the Birds of Prey TV show. When was that? You. It was like late nineties, early two thousands. Oh, and Harley that Quinn was the show? main villain. Yeah. Oh, she wasn't in the Birds of Prey. She was the villain. And, but she was in the TV show, so agree. I agree. I'm not sure why <laughs> it's a Birds of Prey movie, mm-hmm. why it's not Gotham City Sirens. I will agree with you on that. Or just make a Harley movie. I don't. I don't know if they would do that. Why not? Just make it. Just instead of calling it Birds of Prey, call it Harley the Fantabulous Emancipation of One Harley Quinn. And then feature the Birds of Prey in there, and it spins off into an actual Birds of Prey movie. Because right now, this is a Harley Quinn movie, but you didn't call it a Harley Quinn movie. You just called it Birds it's of Prey. It's a Harley Quinn movie masquerading as a Birds of Prey movie. Right. <laughs> yeah. Okay, I will, yeah. 
Okay. You're right about that. <laughs> but, but nothing else. But nothing <laughs> else. Can, can I just say, hmm. and I'll go back to talking about Harley and the girls for a, in a moment, right. but I have been waiting for Black Mask to be in a movie. Yes. I've been say- I've been saying since the days of the Dark Knight Rises mm-hmm. that they need to start pulling from more obscure members of their rogues gallery. Right. Like, Black Mask would be perfect. Yeah. Especially in the new the Nolan universe that was so, you know, kind of intertwined in the gangster mob and, boss. And grounded. Yes. Mm-hmm. He would have been he would have been much better suited. Exactly. So I am very sad that we didn't get a Black Mask during that era of Batman. Mm-hmm. But I'm so glad he's back in this, and I am so glad he is being played by Ewan McGregor. He he seems like I don't know. I feel like he's going to be similar to and I and the only reason I'm pulling this comparison because I I just watched this movie. Um, but Kurt Russell's character in Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Two, Ego. <sighs> I could see that. He's going to be very much like Harley. Like, you know, she like falls for him because he's charismatic. And it's like, you know, she's falling. She's falling down this trap until she realizes, oh, you're crazy. And not in a good way. You you are you are a bad person who needs to be stopped. Yeah. Um. And 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 you and McGregor is going to be able to he's going to he's going to be able to do that part justice. And I just hope. He does have the full mask, but if he does, yeah. I appreciate them holding back from showing it. I I'm glad of that too. I think that is something they're saving for the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think the trailer itself looks good, but then I also remember I said the same thing about Suicide Squad when that trailer came out. But this, I was gonna say the same thing actually. Watching it, I was kind of thinking, like, I'm getting some Suicide Squad vibes here. See, I I, I disagree. I got a lot of Bronson out of that (gasps) with Tom Hardy. Just the way it's shot, where it feels like we might get some, like, fantasy sequences, where this really, the reason why it's, you know, Harley Quinn, like, the, the Emancipation of Harley Quinn, the reason why that's, like, written in at the bottom, it's almost as if this is a Birds of Prey movie. But we're seeing a Birds of Prey movie from Harley's mind. I could see that. So it, it would be cool to maybe even see like shades of, you know, like we'll see moments that are like legitimately scary, almost like in Sucker Punch, where you'd have like the darker thing. And then when Baby Doll would go into her dream sequence, it became like this cool kind of like action film thing. And it was like a way for her to cope with what was happening. So if we got a uh, like a taste of that in this, oh man! Now I'm now I'm on board. Yeah, because that could be that could be cool. I don't know if DC's sober enough to do it, but <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. It's something that I will also mention that someone brought up. Hmm. This is also the first primarily female superhero team-up movie yes this and this is one thing that dc has actually been beating marvel in Mm -hmm. because they had wonder woman they were the first ones that had like a 
good yes. female-led superhero movie. Now they have a female superhero team-up movie with Birds of Prey. Mm-hmm. So if they go the route of what they did with Wonder Woman, hopefully not the same way that they did Wonder Woman because it wouldn't work for something like this. No. But if they take the same care about the fact that it is what it is, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. then they could start getting that leg up on Marvel that they want. Yeah. And and the thing is, too, look at the actresses. Look at the other actresses in there. Like, you have Margot Robbie holding it down as your lead, but there are no slouches in that cast at all. Um, you've got Mary Elizabeth Winstead, who's going to play Huntress, um, which it does, it looks like they're going to go the route of um, Huntress being... Like the, I guess, I think it's the original way that Huntress was seen, or like the second way that Huntress was seen, which was, um, she was the daughter of a gangster and then became, uh, you know, part of the Bat family. Then you've got, there we go, Journey Smollett Bell, who's going to play Black Canary. Mm-hmm. Um, so this will be our first time seeing Black Canary on screen. Um, you'll have Rosie Perez as, um... Oh, goodness. What is her name? I'm trying to find it. Renee Montoya, um, which I think is a second appearance of her on the screen. And you have newcomer, or maybe she's not newcomer. But you've got this Ella J. Basco playing Cassandra Kane. Um, and this will be the first time that we see Cassandra Kane on, on screen. And I got to tell you, from what I've read in the comics of this character, she is so badass, and I cannot wait to see what they do with her. I don't know if she's going to be doing like all the kung fu stuff that she does in the comics, but if she does, this could become my new favorite uh, comic book movie. If they That's stick just... to the source material, which we know DC has a problem with. And just as long that Jared Leto is nowhere near this. Ooh, we're going to have to talk about Jared Leto's comments a little later about, you know, somebody else's performance of a character that he played. But, guys, let's take a uh, let's take a bit of a break. Uh, we're going to let you guys get a chance to uh, get introduced to a new uh, podcast. Take uh, take a listen to them. Uh, put them into your queue. Don't leave uh, because we are, of course, going to talk about a little bit of Netflix picks and then we're going to close it up with a little bit of Joker. Stay tuned. Hey, Sasha. Hey, Courtney. Where can you get hot takes about ghosts, cryptids, farts, and cats? I don't know. Where? On our podcast, Spoop Hour. Oh, that's right. Each week, we talk about the things that spook us out, and we laugh through our fear. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Spoop Hour, and you can listen to our podcast on iTunes, Podbean, or really anywhere else that you get your podcasts. Feel free to also drop us a line at spoophour at gmail.com. We want to hear about your ghosts. Thanks. So, guys, to keep the party going, um, I got a chance to binge watch an entire series uh, on Netflix. And what was that? It was Raising Dion. Ooh. Um, For those of you who don't know, um, because a lot of people don't 
know kind of the origin story of this particular project, this was a uh, very short comic book that came out called Raising Dion um, uh-huh. about a, a black mother who is raising her son who is developing superpowers. And he has multiple powers. Like he has telekinesis. He can teleport. Um, he can do all, he can turn invisible. He can do all these different things. And the whole story is, you know, it's it's hard enough for her as a single parent to raise a black son in the world. But now add, add to that, he also has superpowers, which already it, it it alienates him even more from the rest of society. Yeah. Um. And I I heard about the story. And I was like, man, that is so cool. And then someone did a short film of it. Well, Michael B. Jordan, around the time that Black Panther came out, he saw the he saw the the short film. Mm-hmm. Loved it. Loved it so much that he was he was like, I want to purchase the rights and produce a either a movie or a TV series called Raising Dion about this story. So it kind of went underground. No one heard anything about it until a couple months ago, someone was like, you know, it came out that Raising Dion was going to come out on Netflix on my birthday. Hey! Yes! <laughs> so I woke up early on my birthday before, uh, before me and my mom, you know, almost fell off a mountain. And <laughs> oh dear! And I watched Raising Dion, um, and I have got to say, it's it's refreshing to watch a non Marvel and a non DC comic book show. I bet, like um, Deadly Class, Umbrella Academy, um, Raising Dion. There's just something about it. It's or or the boys. You know, to just see, like, a different take on the superhero genre. Because I feel like Marvel and DC, they're so well-known, they have to play by a certain set of rules. Like, this has to happen. Yeah. But then you look at things like the Umbrella Academy, right? Where it's like, here's the superhero, you know, that you know, the concepts that you know. Let's turn it on its head. Let's explore this different area about it. It's reminiscent of, like, you know, how the Watchmen was. Where you, ha- you live in a society where, you know, superheroes are outlawed and feared and, like, you know, the only person that you trust is Dr. Manhattan. Mm-hmm. Um, Raising Dion, I will say, is not for the hardcore comic book nerd. It's just not. Um, <clears throat> I would not put this up there with Deadly Class and Umbrella Academy by any stretch of the imagination. Albeit, it is only season one. But then again... Season one for both those two shows was excellent. Um, but it feels it feels very much like a show that you would see just on regular cable TV that would have like a small, probably a small following enough to get it uh, a season two. Mm-hmm. Um, I love the I love the, the 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 kid that they got to play Dion. He is so precious and Aww. so innocent. And he just does not understand, like, what's happening around him. Because he thinks, because he keeps telling his mom, he's like, Mom, I have magic. I have magic. And she's like, yeah, okay, baby. That's fine. Eat your breakfast. And then he drops his breakfast, and then he freezes it in the air. 
Oh, dang. And he's like, it's magic. <laughs> um, and, and so then, like, and, you know, when his mom finds out, it's it's interesting to then kind of watch her. Uh, how does she handle that? How does she deal with it? How does she explain to her son how what's happening? And then she's like, I have to train you to use your powers. So you have this woman who is, you know, the Yoda of this of the series um or the professor x and she has no she has no powers she's like i don't know how to teach you but i know i need to protect you because you're my child um so it's it's very sweet um i told my mom i said it reminds me of just a relationship that me and my mom have um where it's you can just tell like over this over the you know, period, long period of time that they put the series out. I don't see it going a very long time, but whatever length of time they keep it going. I I really want to see their relationship develop over time. Um, and especially as he gets more control over his powers. Michael B. Jordan is in it. He plays uh, Dion's dad, who uh, died under mysterious circumstances. Um, and then you, that becomes a central part of the series where it's like, why did Dion's dad die? And why does Dion have powers? That's, those are like the two plot points that start the series. And then they intersect towards the end when everything's like, everything comes together and you're like, oh, snap. Uh, there is a nice twist at the end. Um, there's actually two twists. One will break your heart. The other one you can kind of see coming, um, but you forget about it because of the main plot. Um, but yeah, I highly, I highly recommend watching it. The episodes are only thirty minutes, um, so it is bingeable. Um, if you have like a free, you know, I'd say probably a day if you want to like relax and like kind of watch it a little leisurely. Yeah. <laughs> how how many episodes would you say there are? I think there are tw- no. There's nine actually. Now that I think about it. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So it's only yeah, it's only uh, nine episodes. So you can definitely can watch it in the afternoon. That. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm just gonna check to confirm that it is nine episodes because I don't want to send you down a wrong. Yeah, it's nine episodes. Um, and each episode is uh, is like named after an issue so it's like issue mm-hmm. one 102 and it's like here's the here's the name of it um so it's it's fun it's very fun it's very cool um it is a little hokey at times there's some parts in there where it's like that you can tell they really want to be topical um because they dion has like an encounter with a racist teacher um and while the episode as a whole is handled very nicely, it's kind of like um, Funny or Dies series um, that uh, uh, a very special episode. Uh-huh. It's very much like that. It's like, okay, <laughs> we get it. Racists are bad. Next episode, please. <laughs> oh, yeah. That reminds me. I think there was a... A Law and Order episode one time. Mm-hmm. This was like right after the the Paula Dean uh, incident, uh-huh. and the um, and actually I think the Trayvon Martin thing too. Yeah, and like the episode was about someone 
a famous talk show person who uses the N-word, and then an unarmed black person gets shot. Mm-hmm. It was like all in one episode, and it was like, uh, okay. Yeah. It's very transparent what you're talking about. And, and it, it's and especially when you, you watch shows that handle topics like that just so beautifully. And, you know, and they're not preachy. They're just like, this is the world, and this is this is that situation, but in our world. Um, I I don't know. I I felt like it could have been handled a little bit better. Um, but it's it's kind of like it happens once and then it never gets talked about again. So yeah, feel free to gotcha. when you get to that episode, feel free to like skip if you want to. There's like only gotcha. one or two things that are like plot relevant. Um, gotcha. Yeah, but uh, highly recommend raising Dion. Is a wonderful take on the superhero genre. And speaking of which, guys, it's now time to talk about Joker. It is main event time. It's main event time. So we talked last episode before we went on our little break. We talked about the Joker movie and should it be should it be a movie that is put out today? And we had mixed we had mixed feelings about it on the show. Um and it's and it seems like it has only that discussion has only gotten bigger especially now that the movie is out and now we've actually seen it and can discuss it, right? Yeah. Um so we know what the Joker movie is about. It's an origin movie. We don't need to go through that. Um, but spoiler free, uh, Lindley, what did you think of the? What did you think of the movie? I thought it was pretty good. Mm-hmm. I don't think it is the end all be all movie that people are saying it is. Right. But it is. It is very disturbing. Mm. There are there are scenes in this that I was uncomfortable watching, mm-hmm. and it, yeah, it's and I think just because of what the movie was, it wasn't necessarily. It was the things that happened in the movie, but also because of the response that they could have they could have caused. Mm-hmm. I will say. Kudos to AMC. I'm going to give so many kudos to them. They have a sign where you scan your ticket. Mm -hmm. They have a sign saying exactly what Joker is. Mm. It is not a normal comic book movie. There is ultraviolence. There is all the stuff. So just there is a warning before you take your seat. And when we came out of the theater, there were three security cards by the door. Mm. Because... This movie deals with things that, you know, when we, we talked about this the last time, Mm -hmm. it deals with things that if a certain person saw, right, it might inspire something else. And, and I completely agree. I feel like if a certain person does see Joker it is very easy for them to feel like 
that movie is a rallying cry. Yes. It's very easy for you to get, because you, because you as an audience member, when I watched it, I was like, okay, I understand his train of thought. Yeah. Um, until I, until I started really theorizing about what type of movie was I watching. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but I, I agree. I don't think it's, I don't think it's this masterpiece that people were trying to make it out to be. I went, yeah. I went into it with a very open mind. Um, I did not go in there intending to hate it and I didn't hate it at all. No, it's good. Yeah. But it's not a masterpiece. No, it's it's not a movie that's going to revolutionize comic book movies for years to come. This is not The Dark Knight. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> let's it's just be clear. It's not The Dark Knight. <laughs> like, as much as people want to try and make The Dark Knight happen, stop trying to make The Dark Knight happen. <laughs> the Dark Knight happened, and it's it's great. It's okay. You know, you don't have to try and replicate it. Look at what, you know... Look at what happened with DC trying to make Justice League happen. Um, trying to compete with the Avengers. Just make a movie. Set around the comic book. That's all you got to do. Yeah. Walking um, Phoenix. He could be up for an Oscar. But is he my favorite Joker? No. He did not do, in my mind, he didn't do anything different than what Heath Ledger did. It was a different mm-hmm. take, but I'm talking it about like was. how he got in, like how like into the character he was. It was very reminiscent of Heath. Yeah, and it's a, there's much more of a focus on the mentally ill aspect of the character. Mm-hmm. Can I be honest? Go ahead. I felt like if this wasn't a Batman movie and this wasn't so constrained by it having to be the Joker, mm-hmm. if it was just a story about it, there's a there's a specific message that the movie is trying to convey. Yes, and I've had a, and I've had a few days to think of this. The message is that the mentally ill are treated as second class citizens. They are seen as invisible. They're not cared for the way that society should care. And this is what happens when someone who is asking for help in in a, in, in a way, mm-hmm. when someone is asking for help gets pushed to the side and decides to let go and go into that darker part of themselves. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If it is about just a normal person with this illness who snaps because of these reasons, it may have made a stronger film. But when things like, you know, in the, in the trailers, they mentioned Thomas Wayne, when, when the Batman aspects come into it, Mm -hmm. it's jarring. Yes. Yes. It's like, oh yeah. Oh yeah. This is, this is a Batman movie. That's always been my argument against the dark Knight. Is that the Dark Knight? You didn't have to make that a Batman movie. Mm-hmm. That could have been a, a crime drama, with the exact same type of characters, and really not even like you don't even need Batman in the Dark Knight. You could have just made that like a hard nosed detective, film noir, neo noir type film, with an anarchist as your 
chief villain. And it would have been the same thing. It was seven. That's what that's what the Dark Knight is. The Dark Knight is seven. And yeah. And Joker, you're absolutely right. You don't need it to be a Batman movie because I told the kids, I told my students because they asked me for a spoiler free review. And I told them, I said, you really don't need the the Batman stuff because whenever the Batman stuff happens, all I kept thinking was like, this is fan service. You don't need this. You don't need, like they barely talked about, you know, the fact they were in Gotham City. Gotham City, I did not hear it mentioned until 15, 20 minutes into this two-hour movie. Mm-hmm. And really, they don't start doing any sort of like real Batman connection stuff, I think, until an hour into the movie. So why does this need to be, why did this need to be a Joker origin movie? I just, I, I, I don't know. Marketing. <laughs> well, yeah. Marketing. Well, yeah. Cause, <laughs> oh, oh, no. You want to you tie it all together? So, Steven, you know what I told the kids before I really started digging into Scorsese? No, what? I said, this was the best Scorsese film I've ever seen. Because <laughs> it is. It's a Martin Scorsese film. That is what Joker is. And, it, and I'm not saying that as a slight. I'm saying it as... That's a good, that's a compliment from me because that's what it felt like. It was so visceral and just so, you know, there were moments that are so creepy and uncomfortable. It's like watching a train wreck happen in slow motion. Yeah. But this didn't need to be a, a Batman movie. Like if anything, the fact that you attach it to Batman, as much as I love Batman, that's what brought your movie down, in my opinion. <laughs> you know, I mean, Jesus wept. Although I, I do have, I do have a theory. Oh. I, it's not. I don't. I don't think it's spoiling anything. It's not. It doesn't give anything away about the ending or anything like that. I don't think this is a Joker movie. I've heard this theory that that's not the Joker, but someone who may have inspired. Oh no, I don't think I don't think it's even that because that's a that's from Gotham. That idea that that idea also came from Gotham. Yeah, but I don't think that this is a I don't think this is a Batman movie. I think he's just a fan. Of the idea of the Joker. Hmm. Mm-hmm. And that everything... Never mind. We'll stop. I'll stop there. Because <laughs> there... Because it's... Because cin- cinemat- uh, cinematically, um, there's moments in this movie where they just seamlessly go from... It's very clear it's Arthur's mind. Yeah. And then it goes from... It goes from Arthur's mind to... Now we're in real life. But there's not like a big, like, it's not, it's almost like um, Fight Club-esque. A bit. Where you, you know that there's strange things going on. It's like something's not right. 
but you can't quite put your finger on what it is. And it makes you, and once you realize it, then you really start questioning what's real and what's not. And that, to me, that's what makes this a good movie, is if you're going to call it a Joker movie, this was the best way you could do it. You put in the unreliable narrator without having him say a word. Mm. Yeah. It's the unreliable narrator, which, if you guys recall, if we go back, go back and check out our catalog, because we got a lot of other good episodes, audience. Um, we, we said that's the only type of Joker movie we would want to see. Is a Joker movie where it's not explicitly clear if this is real or if this is just him doing his own thing. And I'll tell you why, just not in mixed company. <laughs> yes. Because Steven hasn't seen the movie yet. <laughs> and and hey, some Dave. and some people <laughs> Could you hear Dave? Could you hear Dave groaning from all the way oh, from the future? I could hear it. I could hear it. <laughs> <laughs> oh goodness gracious! Yeah, yeah. With Stephen, I I think you'll. I'll be interested to see what you think of it because again, it's not a it's not a superhero movie. It's barely a Joker right. movie. It is on my it is on my to see list. Mm-hmm. I have to I have to say I did get really annoyed. Uh, this past week when the director started coming out and saying like anyone who's questioning, you know, what'll happen with the film, he's just started calling them like the ultra left and the, uh, uh yeah, that's not okay. Yeah. Th- like that really did kind of put me off. Oh, um, absolutely. Cause I, I know last time I was all open for it and all, but that did kind of like get under my skin. I hate when people resort to those labels mm-hmm. as an attempt to shut down any kind of legit criticism. Right. Cause it's like, you can't, you can't label people that way, you know, especially when it's such a gross generalization over a serious concern, you know? Right. Um, but uh, yes, it is on my to see list. I do plan on seeing it. We just, uh, we, we spent a lot of time painting the house and by we, I mean my wife. She did all the painting. I should probably <laughs> do something much nicer for her. <laughs> Sorry. I was just thinking about that guy you told me about. Which one? Or was it the family? The one that calls you lazy? Oh, yeah. Boo Radley. <laughs> Yeah, I'm sitting there getting out of my car after a long day of, like, giving tests at school, getting ready to go mow the lawn, and then he starts yelling across the street, You're the damn laziest person I've ever seen! Oh, my gosh. Can you make that noise again? (laughs) God. Oh, my goodness gracious. Um... Actually, I I do have one I do have one final question now before we wrap it up here. Um, Lindley, do you think where do you think we go next with Joaquin Phoenix's Joker? Do we introduce him into the the extended universe, or do we just keep this a one off? I'm interested in what you just, think. Just just one off. Yeah. Just one off. Because he's come out and said that if 
he he doesn't want to be incorporated into a Batman universe. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, just one-off, let this be a movie. That's all it needs to be. And I can't see him, I can't see his Joker standing next to Margot Robbie's Harley Quinn. Yeah. Like, I just, like, to me, it just doesn't make sense. Because to, to me, she's she is Harley Quinn. She's yeah. the comic book brought to life. Whereas this is Joaquin Phoenix's Joker. Well, audience, uh, let us know what you all thought of the Joker movie. Did you like it? Did you hate it? Do you think Joaquin Phoenix is going to get uh, inserted into the uh, DCEU? Um, do you think it is uh, going to win an Oscar? Quite frankly, I I don't see it, but hey, maybe you do. And if you do, there's a couple of places that you could tell us. You could tell us on our Facebook page. You can tell us on our Facebook group page where we're talking all the time about movies um, and, and and the like and TV shows and so much stuff. Uh, you can also find us on Twitter and Instagram. But if you want to talk to us individually, here's where you can do it. Steven, where can the folks at home reach you? Folks at home. Head over to YouTube, type in Bailey's Film Workshop, and follow my page. And definitely do it soon, because I do believe there may be a little special something coming there soon, just in time for the Halloween season. All right. Yes, yes. Mm -hmm. You can also follow me at Twitter, at St. Albrey. Such a pretentious Kanye West Twitter handle. (laughs) Actually, no. It's, it's, it's just, it's just, it's my middle name. Yes. Oh, your middle name is St. Albrey? No, Albrey is, but ST, that's what Steven starts with. Yeah, it still sounds like Kanye West. Lindley. Yes, gatekeeper. (laughs) (laughs) Lindley, when you're not getting tweeted at by the costumer for uh, Outlander, (laughs) where can the folks at home reach you? Folks at home, you can reach me mostly on Instagram. That's Little Lottie, L-O-T-T-I-E. Posting a lot of stuff from New York Comic Con. I actually am in a video for Ease People's Choice Awards, repping Outlander, what? which then got which then got shared on Outlander's social media. So I'm like, I'm fine. <laughs> so you can find me there. I am back on Twitter, which is Little Lottie ninety one. I am writing for Universal Monsters Universe. I'm a part of their social media team. Go follow us there. We're doing 31 Days of Halloween. It's not too late to join the challenge. Join us there. I am also a writer for Outlander Cast. I do a series called Sassanok Spotlight, but I also just wrote a piece, and it got published right before New York Comic Con, about why I cosplay, how I put up the outfits together, and I'm... I'm really proud of how it came out. So go go check that out. Nice. And of course, audience, uh, you can find me on Twitter at Mark, M-A-R-C underscore Loveroy, L-A-R-O-Y. You can find me on Instagram. Uh, and if you would like to hear me on a different medium, you can always find me 
uh, on Continuum Force, a sci-fi audio drama, which is up for some awards for the Audioverse, Audioverse Awards. So Ooh. check that out. Give it a vote, please. Um, as we get ready for uh, season two coming up in a couple of months, um, I am also going to be uh, probably in probably in just about the same amount of months, uh, The Adventures of Beauty and the Beast, um, where I'll be playing the Beast, and Garbage Town, an audio drama musical, where I'll be Ooh. playing Johnny. And I don't think I can mention it just yet. Actually, no, I can, because it was on Twitter. I'm going to be in a video game called Jaws of Extinction. Nice. Not even kidding. <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to be in a video game, and it's awesome. So I will definitely keep you guys posted on that. I now have two IMDb credits. Stephen Bailey here was my first one. Yay. Yeah, yeah. So it's a very exclusive club, you know, with Jaws of Extinction. And of course, Mountain of the Gods, because I totally did not forget the name of it and didn't edit out my mistake. That's right. I, t- I, d- I tattled on myself because I deserve <laughs> to have my hand smacked. Um, <laughs> audience, uh, we have had a lovely time with you, but uh, I have to go lose my money in some poker. And yeah, I don't know what you two are doing. Y'all got any big plans tonight? No. No. I just postmated some groceries so I don't have to leave the house to get groceries. Hey, millennial hey. life. Steven, help your wife paint. You lazy bum. (laughs) 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 Well. Sounded like he had a stroke right at the end of it. (laughs) Audience, we are going to continue to have some fun with just ourselves. But before we go, we leave you with this. From all of us to all of you, we wish you peace love, and tranquility. You take care now. Make your choices. Me! <laughs> <laughs>